and welcome to Connected, episode 217. It's brought to you this week by Squarespace, Simple Contacts, and Luna Display. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts. I have Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Federico. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm in front of a, of a 4K display for serious Mac users, but I'm not a serious Mac user, so I don't know what's going on. Something, some, something, something's off here. So, something's, something's happened. We'll get to that, I think. And we're also joined by very serious Mac user and gaming PC enthusiast, Mike Hurley. <laughs> you can't do real gaming on a Macintosh. So I tweeted this. I tweeted this a couple of days ago because we're gonna get into this big iPad stuff. But I was kind of just being. I was. I was. I was being a fool, and I tweeted, "You can't do real gaming on a Macintosh." And it was just really funny to see the replies because all I was doing, it, you know, it's just the opposite of uh, you can't do real work on an iPad, right? It's just it's mm. the same argument. Everybody knows that. Although Everybody I would that. actually say that it is more true that you can't do real gaming. <laughs> on a mac you're you're not wrong but you were just like you're not just stirring up the beehive like you were just like full out just like i don't know just like jumping in head first mm-hmm. to the beehive I I my analogies got mixed up we should just move on to follow-up because that happens at the beginning uh, of the show i would hate to dive in head first into a beehive <laughs> it would be very soft. It's like one of the some, no. some, some people do that for a living. Like um, nobody I does think. that. Nobody dives head I, first. I think they do. Who does you know, that? With the, with the with the astronaut suit, they don't they, go head you know, first. The, the, what would be the point of that? I think that, <laughs> that would that help I mean, anything. Maybe because it's fun. I don't coming know. in, I'm coming yeah, in. I mean, like your you job, pro- your job is to a look after the bees and b get the honey. You do neither if you go head first. You can take the plunge if you have protection. You know, that's my way of life. Follow up. Uh, we have some follow up. <laughs> Why? At some point over the last few weeks, we were talking about the number of Mac notebooks you can buy. And I think it was a question from Twitter about if this is the the biggest number. And I thought, yes, yes, it is. But turns out, no, no, it's not. So this comes from... Uh, Ed Cormany, he is a buddy of mine. He hosts a podcast called Simple Beep. So if you like Apple history stuff, you should go check that out. There'll be a link in the show notes. It's a it's a really fun show. And uh, somehow I'm in their Slack for that podcast. It's like the two of them and then me. It's I'm not sure. you are their Patronus. <laughs> I met Ed at the New York Live show and told him how much you love their show. Yeah, I do love their show mm-hmm. very much. Uh, so go check it out. Anyways, so Ed pointed out that for a brief moment in 1995, Apple's PowerBook line was bonkers. So uh, I'm just going to read these models. I like best friends. It must be like just is just like the most Stephen Hackett follow up for briefly yeah. in 1995. <laughs> it's like oh, I just want to I just want to be correct <laughs> yep. because you know we have listeners who they may be questioned on this at some point in their no. lives, and I don't want to lead them astray. It's just you and Ed. The only two people that one know or two care about this. But please, wow. please fill everyone All in. Right. PowerBook 145B, the PowerBook 165, the PowerBook 230, the PowerBook 280, and then you get to the color models, the PowerBook 280C, the PowerBook 520C, and the PowerBook 540C. This is from uh, a Wikipedia like timeline of Mac models, um, so I'm assuming that it's correct. I didn't like, go and verify, but... Uh, that is that is a mountain of computers, and uh, yeah. So you know, we talk about like transitions and computing, like Intel and ARM. Like 
in the mid-90s, we were going from grayscale to color screens. Can you imagine like what it must have felt like to get your first color screen on a computer? Like We're all too young for, to remember that, but it must have been mind-blowing. Uh, right now, somewhere, Dr. Drang is keeling over dead, yep. thinking about how young we are. Federico, which one of those was your favorite? Oh, I mean, for sure, the um, the 165. Um, I have fond memories of the PowerBook uh, 165, you know, uh, because it could only handle uh, 165 files on the disk. <laughs> that they mm, that's why the numbers, it was called man. like that. So you, yeah. you, you had to do, you know, it was like, like it forced you to be sort of like a Zen, you know, approach to computing. Uh, you can only mm. have 165 files. So what you're going to choose, you know, like all your... your, your um, Clarice works documents oh. you know you had to be really picky about those because you you know if you saved one well now it's 164 so you know uh, good times good times oh the number would go down like it started the number would go oh. down and when you reached zero you had to return the computer the- <laughs> you, were, you were done you finished it's full up now so what do you, what do you think is gonna happen I can't put any more files in this thing please mm-hmm. please take it mm-hmm. back yeah yeah uh, exactly we we had also spoken about the performance of the MacBook Air, and I spent some time with one today. Not really enough time to like have any deep impressions, except that it's a really nice laptop, and I think it's. I agree with what Jason said on upgrade this week that I think it's like the default Mac notebook now. Mac Rumors had put together a bunch of performance stuff on the new machines, and uh, the MacBook Air is solidly in between the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. Uh, in some cases, very close to the that MacBook Pro with two ports and no touch bar, the Escape model. Uh, actually, very close to that in single-core performance, uh, which is pretty interesting. And then there's the Mac Mini, which the the six-core i7... <laughs> this, is, this is so sad. Close, I'm, I'm quoting, closely matches the 2013 Mac Pro models when it comes to multi-core performance and exceeds them when it comes to single-core performance. So, uh, rest in peace, 2013 Mac Pro. Can I just say about that Mac Mini? So, Marco mm-hmm. got a review unit. He did a really great video and written review. And he did a bunch of, like, interesting tests. Like, they were tests that I could, like, fathom. Because the the Geekbench stuff, like, I don't know what it... Like, what what am I supposed to do with those numbers? Like, hooray, I can bench geeks. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that stuff. Wow. But like he did, he did a bunch of like things that are broken down into seconds and minutes, and the Mac Mini is like surprisingly close to the iMac Pro, like mm-hmm. the ten core iMac Pro. Like I kind of <laughs> cannot believe how much power that machine has. Like that, it is pretty astounding. I think. Uh, I forget where, I think Marco said it somewhere, or maybe Jason did. I have consumed a lot of stuff this week, but... Yeah, this bit, it's been really good. Yeah, someone smarter than me said, you know, had this really interesting point, like the Mac Mini now defines like the the entry-level Mac Pro, like the the Mac Pro will be better than this machine, probably mm-hmm. notably, which makes me excited Isn't about the Mac Pro. Isn't that exciting, right? Like, how good is it going to be? I, so I'm good. genuinely like really excited to see the mac pro now because yeah. like i just how much of a beast is that thing gonna be it's, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be stellar but what's so interesting is this you know apple said well the mac mini is for pros and they, they didn't really share this side of it i think very well in the keynote like they said how much faster than it was in the old one but like that thing was 19 years old like 
anything would be faster than that. So it's it is um it's it's really exciting to see. At least if you spec it up and get an expensive one, like this is the i7. This is an expensive Mac Mini. This is faster than the one that is out for delivery at my house right now. But if you need something really powerful and small. Like the Mac Mini is a viable option, and I think that's pretty exciting. And like, yes, the GPU is not there, but if you need one, you can do Thunderbolt. And mm-hmm. if you've thought about the Mac Mini before, you're like, oh yeah, it'd be nice to have one for this, like whatever this is in your life. Like Marco's test uh, is like building Overcast and Xcode. Like if you if you have that sort of job, uh, the Mac Mini seems like an incredible option now. Like you're gonna pay for it, but I'm excited to see that they really did build uh, at least in custom ordering a pro version of this thing. I would imagine mm-hmm. that there are a lot of people that would have bought a laptop that can now buy a Mac mini instead. You know, like people that were buying a laptop because it was cheaper and they had a display and they could just plug it in, right? Rather than buying, like going all in on like an iMac pro or something that that could be something there to it, but it it's a very impressive computer. And I think probably purposefully Apple didn't really bother to go into this it's such a niche product that you know it's probably the reason they gave it to someone like Marco who can like tell the story as somebody who is the exact target market to the people that would be buying it right like i would expect that a vast majority of people that would buy that mac mini have read marco's review like mm-hmm. <laughs> it is or at least would would buy it right now <laughs> you know like get, get like yeah. right, but like people that are going to buy it immediately they're the people that are looking for that kind of content because it is very much a niche computer. But I think that it's really exciting that they've given it way more than anybody would have expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to sell the bulk of them this quarter, like, yes. no doubt. You know, f- for me, I-, I got one as a home server, but like it, I could do my work on a loaded Mac Mini. I would need an eGPU, but like it's a viable machine for someone even like me. Like I'm on the base model iMac Pro because according to these. These tests, like real world tests, like you said that Marco did, it's in the ballpark for, you know, probably significantly less money depending on the display and EGP you buy. So, do you have good it? Good times. No, it is out for delivery, okay. so it'll, it'll probably be here this evening. Okay. Um, I did see one in the store today. It looks cool in space gray, but um, that's yeah. all. That's all. I just saw it. So, have I told you guys the the setup that I, the that I'm gonna get for the Mac Mini? Nope. But I don't want to know. All right, so y- you don't want to know? No, I do. It's like, don't tell me. No, I want to know. Yeah, I thought you said I don't want to know. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's, don't that's harsh. Don't Don't care. Get out of here. Max, boo. <laughs> no, I want to know. Uh, so I'm getting the uh, the i7 6-core, uh, 3.2 gigahertz, 16 gigs of RAM, um, internal SSD uh, 256, uh, because I'm also getting uh, an external one terabyte SSD from Samsung, I think. Uh, I was checking out a bunch of reviews and it looked like a good one with support for USB 3.1. Why do you want to go external for that amount? Just out of uh, Because the internal storage, um, I feel like the Apple prices are insane for adding storage to, you know, the with the built-in option. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to do any serious, like, uh, f- like uh, I'm not dealing with heavy PSD assets in Photoshop. Um, this Mac Mini is mostly going to be used as a home server or, and for podcasting. And I want this to be my last Macintosh computer that I ever buy because I really don't think that in five years, uh, I'm going to be buying a Mac uh, as we know it today, at least. Um, so um, 
the storage is mostly mostly going to be reserved for Plex and um, so TV shows, movies, that kind of stuff, and backups. So I think with USB C, I sh- I you know I can just get an external SSD and leave it plugged in and just use it to store media. Unless that's a bad idea, but I don't think it is. Um, no, as long as you're backing up that external drive. Exactly. So down the road, I think like maybe, you know, next month, I'm also going to get like a second one so that I should have like the basically the Mac Mini, the external drive and the backup for the drive. So um, I should be fine. Also, I don't keep a lot of important files on my computer. Um, everything is in Dropbox, essentially. Um, I already have, because I bought it today, I shared a picture on Twitter, I already have the ultra-fine 4K display um, from LG that I bought at the Apple Store uh, with the new iPad Pro. Um, And it's a very beautiful display. I don't love the design. I don't like the bezels. Uh, I don't like the LG logo staring at me. Um, The stand is okay. I think I'm going to put the Mac Mini down there. Uh, Right now there's a Triforce toy that I bought a few months ago. Um... It's it's fine. I I love the display. I don't love everything around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. I so wish that Apple would make you know a, a new <laughs> new display like a five K display that, uh, from Apple that is not an iMac. Uh, so just the display. But you know, I also I didn't want to get the five K LG because that was too big for my desk and also it felt. Um, like it was going to be too compromising with the iPad Pro and the Mac Mini because the 4K uses standard USB-C uh, to output uh, from a Mac and from an iPad now to the to the 4K display. The 5K uses Thunderbolt 3, but for some reason the iPad Pro does not support Thunderbolt 3, just USB-C. So I thought, you know, it's a combination of the 4K is cheaper and it's smaller, so it fits my new desk better. And it also works with the Mac Mini and the iPad Pro. So it's going to be like an interchangeable setup. Um, and also I'm trying to think ahead. Like, I'm convinced that the iPad Pro will eventually get trackpad support and so mouse support and better integration with the with external keyboards. So I'm preparing for a future where I can just have a monitor and a single cable, and then I can choose to use either a macOS computer or an iPad computer. Um, so I'm preparing for that. And right now I'm staring at the new 4K display, but it's connected to Sylvia's MacBook Pro. She has a 2017 MacBook Pro. My Mac Mini, I think, should be here next week. Depends on when I put the order in and how long the wait is going to be. This is all very exciting. Yeah. Federico buying yeah. a the- Mac. My my last Mac. <laughs> I I think what might be better to say is it's uh, probably your last Intel Mac. Mm, right? Probably. If and when they yeah. move to ARM, they might make something that, again, becomes interesting to you, you know? Maybe. We'll see. But yeah, uh, Mac Mini is still not here, but the display is. And it's <laughs> it's very nice, the display itself. The plastic sucks. Yeah, it's uh, they should do something. You know, it's funny. There's uh, like some tweets floating around, like in the Mac Mini booklet. There's like a picture of a display, kind of like there's a picture of Air yes. Power in the 10s <laughs> Max. Uh, yes. So that team is the, it's the same team working on both of those products. But um, I, I, just make that one. That one looks really good. <laughs> but you know, I guess uh, I guess we'll see next year with the Mac Pro. I assume that's when we'll that'll all be mm-hmm. one one thing. So 
All right, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. Squarespace gives you the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of and customize award-winning templates, integrate store functionality in your website if you want to sell something, but also they have every type of tool available for you to create the website you want to make. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform. There is nothing to install or patch or upgrade they've got it all covered for you. Squarespace have plans that start at just $12 a month and they all come with award-winning 24-7 customer support. So if you need any help, they will be there to help you out. Squarespace is super customizable. Everything is drag and drop. And they think about all of the little things so you don't have to. They integrate with a bunch of awesome services. You can integrate other services that you use elsewhere. You know, So for example, if you want to collect uh, information from like a questionnaire on your website, you can integrate it with Google Sheets so people can fill it all out in like a on the web page and everything's kind of native there. They press submit and it will go into Google Sheets for you. All of these things can be very easily done. If you want to have like an email list sign up, you can integrate with a bunch of different email uh, providers, you know, like MailChimp and companies like that. It's really, really awesome. So go try it out today. Go to squarespace.com slash connected and you can start a trial. There's no credit card required. You can just sign up and try it out. Then when you decide to sign up for a plan, use the offer code connected at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and you'll be showing your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. All right, so the uh, the new iPad Pros are here. They're shipping today. They're in stores uh, today. And I, I believe that all three of us have our hands on them. This is not a, a full review. We need some time to think. Uh, but I thought we could talk about at least our first impressions of maybe th- especially the hardware because you know the iPad has been kind of the same recipe for a, really since the iPad Mini with sort of the rounded edges and they've been in that design language for a long time. And this one is a pretty drastic difference. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear what you guys think. So, uh, Mike, you have both of them. So maybe let's start with like the size comparison between the two compared to the old ones. There is definitely a difference still that I can very clearly see that I think the, the impression that at least I had and, and I think has kind of been the general consensus about these devices leading up to this is that like with the 12.9 getting smaller and then the 11-inch screen, you know, now the 10.5 is an 11-inch, that they would be closer together. But the 12.9-inch screen is still way more screen than I want in certain circumstances. Like... If I'm reading in bed at night or whatever, I don't need a 13-inch screen to do that, and nor do I really want that. Um, and the the smaller screen is, is definitely better for that. And it's the same for when I travel. Like, I, do, I still... Okay, so this, this the bigger iPad Pro is, is significantly smaller than the previous one, but it's still noticeably bigger than the smaller one. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. I feel like for me, I was wondering, like, I was like, I've been thinking like, oh, did I make a mistake? Because I got cellular on the smaller one, but Wi-Fi only on the bigger one, because that's how I've done it for in the past, because the mm. bigger one never leaves home. And I'm like, oh, man, if I made a mistake, like, am I going to actually want cellular on the big one? Because I'm just going to use that one and maybe return the smaller one. 
I don't think that's going to happen. There is still enough of a difference to me, which kind of they still fit the purposes that I had for them. So, so that's kind of the screen size difference is it's still there, it, and it is it is exactly pretty much exactly now like a thirteen inch MacBook Pro to a fifteen inch MacBook Pro. Like those differences are very noticeable. Like you put those two machines, you put like two sizes of laptop next to each other and you're like, okay, this is much bigger and it's heavier, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think that still exists between these two iPads. So I I assume that I will be living the multi-pad lifestyle for the foreseeable future. Like this is this is you know, the twelve point nine. Like it, this is the iPad Pro for most people now. I, I believe. I think the 10.5 was before, but I now think that most people would benefit from the 12.9. Um, it really, I cannot believe the screen to body ratio on it. Uh, it really is wild. It is wild. Yeah, the the fact that it's so much smaller than before, the 12.9, it really does make a difference. And I was comparing the... Um, like I put the new iPad Pro on top of my old one today, and there's like at least one centimeter uh, of difference on the bottom side because the the forehead and the chin are have drastically been reduced. Um, so I feel like if you're looking for, um, if you never, I think it's interesting to to ask this question. If you never owned an iPad Pro, so if you still have an iPad Air two or something, which one is the best for you? And so while I personally got a 12.9 with cellular, because this is going to be my main computer um, that I'm going to work on both at home and when I'm, a, when I'm around, um, I think it's interesting to consider whether most people should do what you did and get cellular on the 11-inch. Um, my main problem is that the 11-inch still doesn't show you two regular two apps in in the regular size class. Uh, when you do split view, it only shows you like the compact size class. So if that's a deal breaker for you, um, you're you're gonna want to do 12.9, I think. Um, but also, there's a question of: Do you want to use this iPad uh, when you're done working? Do you want to use it to read in bed or something, or to watch movies, for example? Um, and I do think that. In spite of the size reduction, I think it's still a little uncomfortable to read with the 12.9 inch, um, even in portrait mode, for example. Um, so for me, the, the big problem of the limited split view on the 11 inch, um, that single problem convinced me that I was going to stick with the 12.9. If multitasking is not a big deal for you, I would recommend starting from the 11 inch because I think it's more portable than the 12.9. Even though... As a computer, the 12.9, I think, is the better deal. I don't know if this makes sense, but basically, if portability is still an issue for you, if it's really important for you to have a portable iPad, go for the 11-inch. If you want to have a computer replacement and you don't mind the extra, uh, you know, the, the extra size, basically, um, I love the 12.9. So that, that thought process is exactly why there's a 12.9. On my desk, uh, mm-hmm. I had the ten. I had the 12.9 initially, and then I went to the 10.5 Pro. And I was telling y'all, the 10. Going back to the smaller size, the iPad mostly became consumption device for me because I really like 
the two full-size apps side by side. And when the 11 didn't get that, I knew that I was destined for the bigger one. Even though that does mean giving it up in some situations, I think that for me at least, like wanting to make a better run at doing more work on it, that the the size is a uh, is a big deal. And, you know, it's funny, one of the stores, so I've seen both of them, and they definitely still, they, they feel more different than I thought they would. I thought they would feel like, you know, kind of, I don't know, maybe like the, the, the Max and the iPhone 10 or 10R, like these are all really close. They do still feel distinctly different, but with the weight reduction, like I picked up the, the, the 11, I was like, holy cow, this is light. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I feel the same way about the 12 too. Now it's been a long time since I've, I've owned a 12, but it sure seems like they've shaved some weight off of it. And that, that does make it more portable in its own way. Like you could walk around and hold this much easier, I think, than the old one. And that's a positive for some people. Not in a bad way, but how weird do the flat edges feel? It's very weird. Uh, I like do they it. Feel no, but it's mm. weird because it's very unlike any other, other like iOS device yeah. that I've had in a very long time. It's like abnormal. I like it a lot. I like the look of it, and it's interesting. But like, yeah, it it does feel kind of like nostalgic. Even it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It's a throwback. It does feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish that. Apple would go this route across their devices. Like, I I like the squared off sides. I think I think it looks really modern in a in a way that I wasn't expecting. I don't love the antenna lines. I went with the silver primarily because I the the antenna lines are lighter than the aluminum. I felt like on the space gray it was not not the best looking to my eye at least. But um the uh, I, I kind of dig it. It's got a, it's got a a presence to it that. I, I sort of find uh, interesting. The antenna lines are so friggin' weird on the cellular model. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, not only does it go across the edge, also kind of on the top. Like, it is, it's like, a, what mm. is going on with these things? I like, I actually kind of, um, I think it looks pretty cool. Like, I like that it's not being specifically trying to be hidden. I think it can look worse when they try and hide it. You kind of, like, call it out and make it look more like a design element. But they they are freaky on the on the cellular like on the on the uh, <laughs> wi-fi they don't have that little line that sticks out um it's just it just goes across but it doesn't you know you've got like weirdly not in the middle <laughs> on either of them uh you've got like the two little notches that go from the line around the top of the screen that doesn't yeah, exist it's, it's, it's a strange they're, they're strange looking you know there was a there was a render or something of an iphone 7 like years ago that it's basically this design. Do you remember that? Like it had the antenna lines like this. And yeah. The iPhone Pro. That's right. Um, the iPhone Pro. Yeah. You know, so they haven't really blended it in as nicely, but um, I, I like the silver. I especially like the silver with the contrast with the keyboard folio. I think that's like sort of a, a, a nice look. But Can we talk about that? Can we talk about that keyboard? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So um, I don't like it. Um, I never liked the smart keyboard, um, or I should say I... You grew to dislike it, I think, because you found other things that you like more. I grew to dislike the smart keyboard. And so after having used a bridge keyboard for almost a year now, um, it's very difficult for me to go back to the, to the keyboard folio. Um, and it's not... The, the features that are new to the keyboard folio, I kind of like. So I like that um, I was wrong at, my, at the hands-on area. It's very easy to, 
to put it into the case. Um, it it didn't f- seem easy. Maybe the demo the demo person wasn't just familiar with it enough. I think it's it's I think it's fine. Um, I I like the uh, the laptop viewing angle. I think the desk mode angle is a lie. That that is a steep angle. That is not made for desks. Uh, I think Mike made an argument today in our uh, iMessage conversation that this feels more like a more like a movie mode. It's a media mode. This is yeah. They're just they're just calling it desk mode because like you can't get rid of the keyboard anymore, like you used to be able to. I will say that like I have used it in that angle on a desk, and it's like it works, but it's it, yeah. You're gonna have some neck pain. You got it far away from you, right? Like if it's not right in front of you. A funny thing again. It's just super strange to me, but I guess it's just because of like the law of physics. The uh, the angles are different on each model. Oh, interesting. Okay. They're both steeper on the 10 on the 11 than they are on the 12. Interesting. Okay. So, um what is new to the to the keyboard folio? I don't hate. My main problem remains the keyboard. Um it's not a backlit keyboard. It uh, the keys are too small for me uh compared to the bridge keyboard which uses like an old style MacBook keyboard type of setup. Um it doesn't. Uh, so the the keyboard itself is very small, and it feels like my hands are constantly cramped into this keyboard. Um, and also, it doesn't have any special media key or any special function function key. So there's no Siri key, for example, which I get on the on the bridge keyboard. There are no media controls, which you used to get on on MacBook Pro keyboards before the Touch Bar. Um, you know, stuff to play and pause and change the volume and control the the brightness of the display and the brightness of the keyboard. The smart keyboard folio lacks all of these features. And so um, I'm going to use this for now because it's my only option. But as soon as somebody or Bridge itself make a version of the keyboard that I want, an aluminum keyboard that I want for the iPad Pro, I'm going to get it right away um, because I can accept the smart keyboard folio for now it's a it's an expensive <laughs> expensive thing to to accept but it's my only option um I should probably try again the Canopy by Studio Neat. I think it sort of works with the new iPad Pro, but I want an integrated setup. I want to have something that I can attach to my iPad and carry around. I don't want to have like a separate thing. So, unfortunately, I don't like it uh because I I know where my preference is and it's not this. I was surprised at the texture of the uh the outside it's smoother mm-hmm. it's smooth, than the yeah. previous yeah. one and it's different to the texture on the keyboard and the keyboard's texture yes. is how the whole thing used to be yes i have nothing to say yeah. about it <laughs> it's yeah. just i was surprised by and it and i think it's perfect for stickers i think it, this thing is screaming for stickers i saw that exact thing and yes it is because it is the most boring looking thing in the world it's just boring it's it doesn't even flat. have an apple logo on it which i was super surprised about no nothing nothing and uh i was gonna say something oh and it doesn't i was surprised i didn't ask about this but there the the microfiber um cloth inside um to keep the ipad screen clean it's gone 
So I wonder uh, what's going to happen in a few months with the keys that have been sitting on top of the display for, for a while. Probably nothing because Apple thought about this. Um, but I thought it was interesting that, that that is gone because it wraps around. So, of course, there's no microfiber anymore. I do think it's harder to get it out. Like like when I wanted to see it a second ago and look at the antenna lines. Like you sort of have to like hold it and it'll take some practice, I, I think. But the, the the immediate thing I don't like is... If you're on your finger on the left side to hit the sleep-wake button, the edge of the folio stands out a little bit from the edge of the iPad. And so, like, Mm -hmm. it's hard. Like, it's easy to basically push against the folio and not the button. Like, it's just something about that feels a little sloppy to me. But, you know, other than that, like, I think it looks nicer than the old smart cover. I think it's like a, a... more of a product in a way, like sort of more luxurious in a way that is it's covered back in front. It's like a little iPad sandwich. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't I don't have the problems with the keyboard you do. I, I am going to like returning to the wider one, going about down to the 10.5. The keyboard is a little cramped for me. And this is basically the width of the keyboard I use at my desk. So I'm hoping that there'll be very little adjustment period for me. But I understand why you don't like it, and I agree with you. Like, there should be more options from Apple on this. It's it's silly that there's just this one. Oh, in general, there's none this time. Like, at least with the previous iPad Pros, Logitech have launched on like launch day yep. with products, and it doesn't the, seem the like create. that's the case. Yeah. yeah, like the Create and the uh, Slim, like they've been they um, were both available day one. Yeah, yeah. Or at least Logitech had information on day one. Uh, about products which they do not this time i haven't seen it today oh. i'm going to their website again to see if i have since been wrong i wonder if that's about i wonder if that's about the new smart connector if if there's something there that they've got a yeah but you would assume that if logitech were i don't know were interested or if apple were interested they would have just done the same deal they've done in the past like if you remember like logitech had a key, the create out like before the yeah. iPad Pro ever like like they they had that thing ready for day 1 of the iPad Pro. So yeah. the product yeah. had never been seen by anyone. They did a special deal with Apple, right, to to get advanced information, right, to be able to build those and, cases. And fun fact, uh this was 3 years ago at my briefing for the first iPad Pro, uh, Apple PR was giving out the smart keyboard and the Logitech Create keyboard. And then so if you remember, there was... were no smart keyboards for a very, very long time from that period. Do you remember that? And like none in other languages? Oh, yeah, it was only in one language. Yeah, yeah but, I remember But that. like it, they were just back-ordered badly. Yeah. The original Logitech Create was terrible because it was an ugly piece of plastic uh, with cheap buttons and stickers on top of buttons. So The only good Create was the 9.7-inch Create. It's the only good Logitech key. Yeah, and they also they redid it for last year's iPad Pro, maybe, and it was good again, uh, but the first one was bad, really bad. Yep. It was a bad keyboard. They did the one yep. with the like keyboard that could detect. It was just a nightmare. It was very bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The Apple Pencil is amazing. I love it. They gave me everything mm-hmm. I wanted, by and large. Like, at least all the important stuff. The texture's nice to hold. It feels warm to touch now, rather than kind of, like, slippery and cold. Uh, it has a flat side, so it doesn't roll away. Um, the I've seen people saying, like, there was, like, oh, it's actually a touch-sensitive area. It's not touch. It's not a touch-sensitive area. It's it's an accelerometer, because you can touch anywhere on the pencil, and it will and it will change tools. You know what I'm talking about? 
uh, when when you double tap. Yeah, when you double tap on the pencil to to change tools. I I think I read somewhere. I read somewhere that somebody said it was touch sensitive, but that means th- the entire mm. pencil is touch sensitive. No, no, no. I think maybe Panzerina on TechCrunch. Maybe uh, there's a there's a special sensor toward the lower end of the pencil uh, that basically receives the double tapping. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's touch. I don't know if it's just an, an accelerometer though. Um, I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on this. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm. It's like a it's like a band. It's like a band. I'm trying the, it out and like it seems like it's it's uh it is just down the bottom. So there's something going yeah. on in the bottom, but it's not like. Yeah. At least it doesn't seem in the way that I'd read it. Like it's not like the flat side is a touch sensitive strip. Like there is no necessarily like touch sensitiveness about it other than like something's going on but you have to double tap it and you can tap it anywhere that's probably a better way of of putting it but um i am very pleased with this new apple pencil i i'm very excited about it i love that it's always charging i love that it's always there i have noticed that like it is possible to attach it incorrectly so because it's a magnet right you can kind of attach it to the left or to the right and it will stick on to the top of the ipad but it is not secure so you kind of have to make sure you get it direct not you have to make sure it's in the middle because otherwise it won't charge and it won't be a secure hold um oh yeah you're right you know? so you can put it to the left you can put it to the right so like it's more kind of towards the edge but then it's not secure uh i don't think that's a problem but like it's just something to be aware of uh and I've already found myself using my Apple Pencil more again because it's more convenient to grab and it's always charged, which my Apple Pencil mm-hmm. never is because I would keep it attached to my iPad so the battery would drain mm. away. So something that I noticed, I agree with you completely, I'm already using it more. Something that I noticed though is that I kind of wish it was possible to also attach it to the shorter side of the iPad uh, because if I want to use the iPad Pro in portrait and hold it with my hands, it gets in the way of the pencil. And so the pencil detaches. And so I kind of wish that Apple made it so, so that you could attach it to the, to the top side or the bottom side. I understand why they're not doing it because the bottom side has the USB-C connector and the top side has the... They call it the top button, actually, in settings. Uh, and also there's the speakers uh, on, on those sides. Mm-hmm. Still... I kind of wish that it was possible because I want to hold my iPad in portrait and have the pencil attached at the top. I don't think that's a wild idea. I think it's, you know, most people would expect that, but it's only one side with a magnetic connector. So um, fourth generation iPad Pro, please make it possible to attach the pencil on either uh, on any side of the iPad. Thank you. You can stick it on the back if you don't have the keyboard cover on. Uh, would you trust that? Yeah. So, mm, I feel like I want to look at it. Like I want to make sure that I see it. <laughs> I, uh, like I, I want it to be at the top. I'm gonna stick it to the back. Actually, I didn't think about if that. If you don't but, have the keyboard cover on, it sticks. It sticks to the back pretty pretty well. Mm, I should do that. But also, I want I want it to be at the top so I can look at it. Mm-hmm. I just I want to make sure it's there. You know, uh, Mike. Let me ask you this: uh, Did you get uh, the pencil engraved for you? No. I wish I did. I wanted to, but I was concerned that having it engraved meant that I wouldn't get it on the first day. All right, time to get a second one. Well, I already have two. (laughs) Multi-pencil life. Oh, come on, I have three. Two is one anyway. 
and three is two. So yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> At some point, yes, and I will. If I do, I will get Michael's right on it because that just seems like right. fun. Uh, it's Marco's right. idea. But uh, look, I I have so many other thoughts about this, but it's 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 too much for today. But like, Face ID is brilliant. It's super fast. I've barely yes. tested yes. USB C. Like. There is a, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff like uh, so much more that we need to discuss. <laughs> you don't put your finger on the home button anymore, but oh boy, does it still love your fingerprint? This thing, oh boy, mm-hmm. oh boy, mm-hmm. still a fingerprint magnet. I was hoping they would have fixed that, uh, but I guess it's something. I, I my assumption is it's something to do with the Apple Pencil, which just means that it picks up like that coating that they put on it. Yeah. But like, oh my god, this is the best. This is just like the best um, hardware. So what we're gonna do is. We're going to keep testing this, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about it next week more in depth. Personally speaking, um, I don't think I will do a full review on Mac Stories because I don't want to keep people waiting for like two weeks. So um, my approach is probably going to be um, split it up in a series of articles, each about a different topic. So if you have questions about the iPad Pro, please send them to us. Or if you have questions specifically for me, please send them to me. Um, I'm going to be testing a bunch of USB-C accessories because thankfully I've been spending a lot of money in the past year preparing for the USB-C revolution. So I have a bunch of things that I can already plug into the iPad Pro. So I'm going to test that and we're going to follow up here on Connected and we'll um, try and put together a series of posts on Mac stories starting this week with the first one I think so uh, different approach this year you know different different setup different approach uh, should be fun all right let's take a break this episode is brought to you by simple contacts I'm sure that you have a bunch of things that demand your time every day uh, because you live in the modern world you have work to do you have side projects to get done with you maybe have a video game that you've been trying to get to but luckily you don't have to worry about spending a bunch of time when it comes to renewing or ordering your contact lenses simple contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts online so you can do it from anywhere in minutes they have a self-guided vision test that takes just five minutes to complete which is so much faster than taking off time to go and wait in a doctor's waiting room a licensed doctor reviews every single single test that is taken so you can skip the office visit but not the care i do want to let you know this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam simple contacts is checking that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and they will renew your lenses based on that prescription they don't write new prescriptions or examine eye health but then every time that you need to get it renewed it takes so much time out of the process Stephen, i know that you've used simple contacts in the past too right I have, yeah. And if, like you said, if all you need is contacts, open the app and walk your way through it, and then they're at your door. And, you know, if you're like me and don't necessarily like people. going places, talking to people, <laughs> it's great. And they, ha- uh, and I was impressed they had the lenses I wear, which are a little bit of an unusual uh, setup, but they had them and they showed up and it was great. So I want you to go right now and find out more about this because Simple Contacts have all the brands and lens types that you're familiar with. Their vision tests cost just $20. The price of their contact lenses are unbeatable and their standard shipping is free. Plus, on top of all of that, I have a special offer for you. You can join the other 5,000 people who have rated Simple Contacts five stars in the App Store because their app's super great and get $20 off your contacts by going to simplecontacts.com slash connected20 
and using the code CONNECTED20 at checkout. That is simplecontacts.com slash CONNECTED20 and the code CONNECTED20. That's 2-0, CONNECTED20, and you will get $20 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, more more topics. That just this list just never uh, it does end. never ends. It does. It will eventually. It'll end, but not now. <laughs> Twenty twenty two pages down in Google Docs. So just because we are new to the iPad Pro doesn't mean everyone else is. There have been quite a few uh, reviews uh, out there. We've got some in the in the show notes, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the themes. I think we've seen in this. I think there are a couple of pretty clear ideas that a lot of people have had uh, had around this. And I think a lot of it comes down to the conversation of hardware versus software. Uh, we talked about this last time. That this, this iPad Pro is ridiculous from a hardware perspective. But a lot of people seem to feel the way that I feel, at least, is that I, I'm not hamstrung by the hardware. It's iOS that I find limiting in some things that I that I want to do. So... I thought we could talk about that, and I figured there's no better people on the whole planet to argue with us, uh, to argue with me about this, than the two of you, since you guys are uh, iPad first. So I would like to make an opening mm. statement on behalf of me and Federico, because I know he's going to agree with me. Okay, but I feel like I need to just we need to just say it. We don't disagree with that premise, the idea that iOS 12 isn't where it should be. Like, we talk about this all the time, right? About what we would like to see in the next version of iOS. We spoke about it before iOS 12 came out. Mm-hmm. We've been speaking about it since iOS 11 came into the world, right? So there are definitely things that iOS is lacking. There are definitely things we believe and hope that iOS 13 will add. Like, 100%, that is the case, right? Like, we agree with this premise. There is a problem, though, in about some of the ways that these arguments get framed and get twisted that is then for some reason thrown back at me and federico and then we're just like have to deal with being not professionals and that we have to jump through hoops all the time like these are the these are the opinions that people have of what it's like to work on the ipad so straight up we agree with that sentiment but there's a lot of nuance that is missed by people that don't use these devices to get their work done every single day I have an opening statement to bounce off of yours. That I, I, We're all in agreement with this, that at the end of the day, if it bothers you how someone else gets their work done, then like maybe you need to go for a walk, right? Like This is not about... Uh, I think any three of us r- approach this as uh, the iPad is going to come in and like take my Mac off my desk and I'm going to show up and, you know, Tim Cook will be like midway plugging in a, a USB-C cable to an iPad with like my iMac Pro and pieces on the floor. Like people get defensive about this. Mac users get defensive about this. I think in a way that is uh, a little unbecoming and frankly like rooted in fear that their their precious Mac is going to go away. And I don't believe that. Like in the long term, maybe, but anytime soon, anytime of... Uh, time frame that makes sense to talk about the the mac is is not going anywhere apple wouldn't be making the investments they are now into it if that was the plan now long term maybe that's a different topic but you know we can argue about things that are going to happen you know 10 15 20 years from now or we can talk about where we are today and i think that's what we want to do if the ipad isn't killing the mac if anything is it's the iphone because it's ios 
right? And iOS is led by the iPhone, and the like the strategic advantages of iOS are felt. Apple feels them in the iPhone primarily. Like if there is a big change coming, it is because the iPhone is so successful, not because the iPad is so successful. Like, mm-hmm. That's why they're. That's if they're going to make any change, that's why they're going to make it. It's got nothing to do with iPad versus Mac. It's the impact. The impact that the iPhone has had on Apple has changed them as a company, and that's kind of why we're where we are, or where we could end up being. Yeah, and so again, like I think in this conversation, it is about how we, how y'all, get our work done. It's that that is not. That is not a broader statement. It doesn't necessarily have to be a broader statement on the way the whole world works or the whole the way the whole world should work. But people get excited on Twitter and get um, get upset, and I think that's just uh, I think that's silly. We can have a conversation about this without getting into that side of things, which I think is what the three of us want. Mm-hmm. So you guys had opening statements. Um, I just have statements um, or I just want to have a discussion about uh, now. I just want to get serious for like five minutes, uh, if you let me uh, and have a discussion yeah, about uh, the idea of iOS being limited um, because I, I think it's fascinating to, to observe how this discussion uh, is, is sort of generated uh, in this corner of the media industry and how it sort of, relates to to my experience my personal experience but also to the experiences of people that i've talked to and also use ipads um and i think like the more i read these reviews and the more i I see these conversations on twitter on what makes a computer or not or the problems of ios i think is it's pretty clear to me that that ios has limitations when it's compared to mac os i think that's obvious um I also think, though, that there's this sort of odd tension um, between people who have grown up with iOS. So if you if you bought an original iPad and you were 10, you probably use your iPad for games or, you know, simple stuff. Now you're 18. You're, you're basically a young adult uh, and you're off to college, probably. Um, so you've sort of, you, you've grown up with iOS and you're familiar with iOS. Um, or maybe you're someone like me who grew up with, with a traditional Windows computer that moved to a Mac, that moved to an iPad. And so over the past mm, over the past almost a decade, eight to nine years in next, next April, um, you are familiar with iOS at this point and you are familiar with the limitations of iOS. And there's that, that tension between these types of people and people who are still using computers, are still using laptops and desktops, and they want to they want iOS to work like their existing computer. They they most of the day they use a laptop, they use a MacBook, they use a PC. And then when they try an iPad, maybe because they have a review unit or maybe because they're just curious, they get upset. And I get that. And and I understand why. But if we follow this argument, imagine imagine me, for example. Um I could make the same argument for macOS after so many years spent using the iPad. When I use my Mac and take that from somebody who's buying a new Mac mini, an expensive one, because I need it. But when I use my Mac, I'm annoyed by the fact that I cannot touch the screen. 
I'm annoyed by the fact that it doesn't have the apps I want. It doesn't have, you know, the same quality iOS apps that I'm used to on my iPad. It doesn't have shortcuts, for example. Uh, it's got Automator, which is so much worse. Um, <laughs> it doesn't... I'm sorry, <laughs> just sick, my opinion. Um, sick burn and carry on. It doesn't... My MacBook doesn't have a cellular connection. Um, I cannot hold the computer in my hands and walk around to read a book or read an article. Uh, and these are just some of the differences. So I think it's important to consider that those, I, um, those problems um, presented by the people who are trying to switch from Mac to iOS are valid, but also the opposite perspective is valid, that I'm used to iOS and when I try something else, I'm annoyed because it doesn't behave like the touch OS that I'm used to. And so I think it's interesting to have this discussion, but in a slightly different way. So rather than just saying, is iOS too simple or is iOS too limiting, which I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a generic statement that really doesn't nail the problem. I think it's, it would be more useful to have this different question. Is the iPad a limited computer for switchers? for people who want to switch from a traditional computer environment to iOS, to an iPad, to an iPad Pro. And in this case, if we follow this, this slightly more nuanced question, I, I, I can see the problems, right? I can see the problems that iOS is facing, that the iPad is facing compared to a computer. Um, it's a bunch of small things and it's a bunch of big things. Small things like, uh, I don't know, easily renaming a file before sharing it, um, which you can only do in the Files app or in a third-party app, which is insane. Or like uh, even more than just that, like I have a file in Slack and I want to email it. Well, first I have to save it to a cloud service. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's it's insane that you still cannot natively create zip archives on iOS. You need to use a third-party app for that. Um, keyboard shortcuts that are inconsistent, but these are small things. There's also big bigger problems. Like uh, the Files app is a is a very limited file manager compared to the Finder, or there's no concept of windowing and opening multiple tabs for the same app. Um, there's no trackpad support. So you can you can use an iPad with a third-party keyboard, but you cannot use it with a third-party mouse or trackpad, which I think it's pretty pretty uh, problematic at this point. And of course, mobile Safari still doesn't work well with a bunch of websites. Or, um, you know, you cannot watch 4K content on YouTube because Apple doesn't want to adopt VP9. Um, and of course, there's la despite the iPad having a USB-C connector now, you cannot use a USB drive and browse your files in the app called Files made by Apple. Um, so I think it's interesting to, um, to imagine whether Apple is facing this very problem of being unable to choose if they want to please the iOS generation more so the people who grew up with multi-touch, who are used to multi-touch and don't want to have any extra complications. Like, they don't want their iPads to be as complicated as a PC. Or do they want to please the people who are using a PC and want to switch to iPads? This is like this, this fork in the road for Apple, I think, is what's going to be interesting to consider. Next year, you know, with, with Marzipan, for example, and, and the, few, the path of the Mac and the path of the iPad, this collision of these two generations of people, I think will be interesting. 
And then there's a second question, uh, if you give me uh, five more minutes uh, that I want to touch upon. Um, so after the question of, is iOS too limiting? The question of, can no professionals use iPads? And that is even more interesting for me because I am... What is a professional? Um, I saw this tweet from Nilay Patel of The Verge, who wrote an excellent review of the iPad Pro from the perspective of someone who doesn't really use an iPad Pro on a daily basis. He says, this is not a, um, I, I, this is not sarcasm. I totally get Nilay's criticism and we need more of, more of this type of reviews. Um, he said that the Verge review of the iPad Pro couldn't have been made on an iPad Pro because of photographers, video editors, uh, and, and you know a bunch of issues uh, that, that the Verge team ran into when trying to get their work done on an iPad Pro. And I think that's totally valid, but also it captures perfectly um, the current state of our discussion about computers and iPad Pros and, and iOS. Um, on one hand, you got the media, uh, you have journalists, you have bloggers, you have video editors writing for websites, writing for blogs, for big publications, and they have workflows that have been built over the years. They have CMSs that have been designed on desktop computers. They require a PC. And those are, again, totally fine arguments, totally real problems. But on the other, you have professionals who actually use iPads, who actually use the iPad Pro. In the past year, um, since I, I started talking to people who, um, in, in a section of, of, uh, of our Club Mac Stories newsletter called iPads Around the World, I set out to discover the ways that people use iPads. Um, and I heard from doctors. I heard from a, from a, a doctor who uh, operates in the Australian Outback and runs her business on an iPad Pro. I heard from engineers. I heard from illustrators. I heard from, pastor, from pastors and, and church groups. I heard from scientists who use the iPad Pro for lab reports and 3D graphics. I heard from pilots who use an iPad Pro for, um, what's it called? The, the flight maps? Uh, used to be this thick books, you know, very heavy book, and now it's on an iPad Pro. I heard from someone who oversees the, um, the marketing for Broadway productions, such as Hamilton. It's wild the way that these different people from different parts of, of the world, from, you know, with different jobs, real professionals are actually using the iPad Pro. These people don't work in the media. You don't hear from these people. These are the silent iPad audience, the silent iPad users that actually do get the work done, really important work done, and you don't hear from them. So this is the state of our discussion is that what makes the iPad Pro a professional tool, this question, this problem is being raised by professionals who work in media. And often don't have the kind of perspective of, you know, a doctor or an engineer or a pilot. And while I'm not asking, I'm not saying that Nilay Patel should, should know all of these people, right? Uh, that's impossible because I didn't know them either. I think it's important, though, to keep an open mind when saying the iPad Pro is not a computer or the iPad Pro is not a professional tool. I think it's important to keep an open mind and say, well, maybe there's someone who's actually using it as, as such. Um, so that's how I feel like I, I would like 
these publications to be more open to that idea. And finally, um, I think that we can all agree on the fact that there are objective problems, objective issues that Apple should fix. We mentioned them many times on the show. Um, most importantly, I think Apple should incentivize developers to actually make pro apps, to make not just the uh, iPad companions, but actually real uh, versions of desktop apps on the iPad. Um, there's a whole list of things, right? Like Apple should make their own pro apps. They should open up USB G, USB drive access. They should offer third-party backup APIs to 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 make actual like stuff like Backblaze, for example, on an iPad Pro. Um, there's a whole list of things. But most importantly, um, I think this whole discussion, while there are objective problems. There are also people who are actually using the iPad Pro as a professional tool. We don't hear from them. So all we can do, I think, is try to keep an open mind, recognize the problems, point out the problems, offer criticism because that's important, but also do try and not discount the iPad as a toy because you wouldn't, you know, people who work in Broadway, doctors and, and pilots, um, I don't think they see it as a toy. That's my series of statements. Thank you. So I think one of the things that is interesting and important to add as a point to that, where you're like, you know, like we don't see these people, so we shouldn't write it off. I can understand how things could be written off if this was a completely absurd idea, right? Like, I'm sure there are professionals that use Palm Pilots today, right? I was in the airport a couple of days ago and they were using a dot matrix printer to print something, right? Like... There are professionals still doing stuff, but that is absurd, right? That dot matrix printers are still being used in nearly 2020 is where we're at, right? But so like there are there are professionals everywhere that use all types of weird edge case technology. But I think that we shouldn't I, I just don't think that anybody, especially who works in and around technology, sh should be of the assumption that somebody could not get their work done on a powerful device like this. Like Yes, there are issues, but like how many people's work, a significant portion of their work is dealing with email? Like you you think you can't deal with all of your email and it's like general communication amongst coworkers on an iPad? Like and that is a perfectly valid thing to, to use this device for. And depending on the type of job that you're in, it may take up a massive part of your time. Like over 50% of my responsibilities, like individual responsibilities, way over 50% of those are conducted on iOS. When it comes to actually time spent at computing devices, I probably spend more time in front of a Mac because the uninterrupted time of recording and editing podcasts is, is longer time. But individual jobs, roles and responsibilities, I do more of those in front of my iPad, as well as all of my just socializing time, right? browsing Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So it ends up being that I spend more time in front of my iPad, but it's not all work is what I'm trying to say, right? So, you know, like, and, and that's because the type of work that I'm doing is like communications work is kind of been how I've been thinking about it or research. And this device is perfect for that. In some cases, it's better because the app support is better and they're more new and it's more modern, right? And so... This is just the thing. It's like it's not an absurd thing to assume that people were doing this, which just surprises me that people get so, you know, like I just see these tweets that are so like 
mm. fixed in statement where it's like professionals can't use the iPad. Like, yeah. all right, like maybe you can't in your job and that's totally fine. Right. But yeah. uh, like that's fine. But let's not be so presumptuous, especially when you if you listen to podcasts, you know that there are people that do it because you hear us like if you listen to the show, you can't say mm. no professionals uh, are using iPads because I, I think you must have paid attention before. I think some people, honestly, um, still believe that um, folks like you and I, we we use the iPad to prove a point. And and if you think that, <laughs> like, what's the point that we're trying to prove? I think it, no. I think there's some people that seriously still believe that. Yeah, like we made a decision and now we can't get out of it, kind of thing. And nobody's forcing me to use an iPad. No. Um, Again, I'm buying a Mac Mini, so we both uh, use I have Macs options for important parts um, of our jobs, right? Also, if I wanted to prove a point, I'm pretty sure the five years I would have proven my point. Uh, that's, that's enough time. I'm gonna <laughs> hobble my entire workflow just to own some <laughs> some jerk on Twitter. Like it's ridiculous. Um, uh, also, I. I'm not sure how I feel about this sentence that I've seen in many reviews. Uh-oh. It's still an iPad. Okay, what? If that's exactly what I want. Like for some people, the iPad still being an iPad is an important factor. There's people who, if the iPad were to turn into a MacBook, that would be a problem. So I understand why that uh, expression was used in many, many reviews for these iPad Pros. Um, I think it's important, again, keep an open mind. I try to consider the different perspective of someone saying, I want it to still be an iPad and not turn into a PC. Like, I want it to be a screen that I can attach and detach from a keyboard. I want it to, you know, have a SIM and cellular and all of these things. I don't want it to have a desktop OS on it. I want it to run iOS. So, um... I I will I would have liked to see more reviews from uh and this is I'm not saying this because I didn't have review. Um All right, let me say it then. Let me say it then because I tweeted it and I tweeted it because I felt like I just had to say it because you weren't saying it. I don't know why Apple think that their best PR strategy is to not put this device in the hands of people that admittedly use them every single day. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you do not use an iPad to get your work done every day, of course, if you use it for four days, you are not going to find it a satisfactory experience, right? No, not at all. If you yeah. use a Mac to do whatever, if you have like a CMS, which it does not play well with iOS, like you are not going to be happy. It's why when we make changes to our CMS at FM, one of the top points is... It has to work on iOS because I need to use it, right? Like yeah. we have yeah. like drag and drop stuff on our CMS. <laughs> Steven is laughing. Right? We, like, <laughs> we have like the links that you see, they're added by this cool bookmarklet. I can drag and drop them in a web browser because oh, we need nice. that because otherwise I would be very upset, right? So like... <laughs> Add them in the order you want. No errors. Yeah. So, you know, I, so I understand, but it seems very perplexing to me that there are people that have relationships 
with PR at Apple, like Federico, like Jason Snell, who admittedly use iPads every single day, but neither Federico or Jason Snell got embargoed review units to write a review on day one when the reviews came out. And that is really weird to me because it puts the perception out into the world because every review, except for John Gruber's that I read, read the same. And they all made that point, which again, very valid point. But that's not a mix. You know, like I really enjoyed John Gruber's review because he just didn't talk about this. All right, And my yeah. assumption would be because he knows, he knows how he feels. He knows that everybody that reads his site knows how he feels. He doesn't use iOS for work. He like he might write on it, but he uses a Mac. He is a Mac lover. But uh, he spoke about and I mm-hmm. loved his angle of just like this machine is obsessively powerful. Like way more than it needs, way more than it's going to need, but it just is because this is Apple kind of proving a point and showing what they can do when they make the silicon and comparing that back to the all the Macs that were released really interesting and it was refreshing because it was different because the rest of them all focused heavily and all the headlines were written like the, all of the headlines just was some variation of yeah but it's still not good enough right like because yeah. i can't make google chrome my default web browser like yeah you know like um, i would love google chrome to be my default web browser but it's not my residing point about what using ios <laughs> is like <laughs> So um, and the idea that uh, I've seen some people on Twitter say, well, they haven't given this is a ridiculous argument. They haven't given um, iPad Pros to iPad enthusiasts. I always see like some shade of like of sarc- of of irony in that word enthusiast. But let's just because <laughs> well, you're it an the- enthusiast blogger, right? That's your problem. You just ca- that word is brings up bad memories. I'm for constantly Bertucci. cheering and clapping my hands. iPads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that. I don't do that. Um, uh, this argument that Apple hasn't given review units uh, to enthusiasts because those people would have bought an iPad Pro anyway, and instead Apple wanted fair criticism from yeah, people who don't use you wouldn't iPads. give Jason Snow a this, Mac Mini for review either, would you, this under that would logic? Be, this would be like... If you were like a, like a, like a Hollywood company giving advanced screenings of your new movie to people who are gonna hate your new movie and are gonna review the movie and give mm-hmm. it like one star, it doesn't make any sense. That is that is a fundamental misunderstanding of what a PR strategy is, right? Like a PR strategy <laughs> yes. is to get the best thing said about your product, and it's like Rick Allen said in the chat room, the exact same thing. They give Marco the Mac Mini, right? Because they knew that this they they knew they had made a machine that he would like right like and th- and they were right he likes that machine very much you may note they did not give him a macbook air yeah but you know App- apple pr works in mysterious ways sometimes and it's totally <laughs> fine like i i i get it um sometimes you get advanced access sometimes you don't and it's okay um because ultimately i, I you know i work for my readers uh i don't work for apple yep. pr so uh i bought an and ipad like, Pro I, and I mean gonna, i would actually you know, say that for you it kind of doesn't matter in the sense of like the traffic to your website. Because whenever you write an article about this iPad, it's going to get as much attention whether it was then or now. Like, I, I genuinely so. believe that. Because P- 
people want to know what you have to say because it's always going to be different. I personally feel as well. I prefer to read the non-embargoed Federico Vitici articles because you have the amount of time that you want to think through everything <laughs> rather than just writing what a lot of what other people can write, which is like, here is what this device is. Like, here are the specifications. Because there's only so much you can do in three days. I was reminded of how the original Macintosh was reviewed. So I found this like roundup post on Fortune. How, how would you rem- uh, remember that? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, <it did. laughs> I was reminded how. How were you reminded? <laughs> I have come across them before. I was not around. Okay. And like sure. I remember the one because uh, Dvorak like, made fun of the mouse and it looks like a, a big a goofball in hindsight but if you read through these and granted this is like clip to like find the most egregious things there were complaints that that apple didn't understand what people wanted or that apple was forcing a vision on people and they wouldn't be able to do real work on it i mean the mac was considered a toy by large numbers of like people in the, the computing community in the 80s because like it had a mouse and a user interface right like where's the command line this is not a real computer and we see how eventually everything became like the mac right like when microsoft moved from ms dos to windows and the world now you know for a long time has run on computers with user interfaces i think there are strong parallels to the ipad right people who yes like to your point there are people that the ipad is not for because the ipad hasn't reach certain milestones that they that they need, right? Look at something like app development. Like if you're an iOS devel- developer, you can't do that sort of work on your iPad. Maybe one day that'll change. That that was actually true of the Mac as well. To write Mac software, you had to have a Lisa. I was like, not a great look. But the the point is that we are still, even though we're eight years in, we are still in the the first era, maybe, maybe starting to see the second era with like iOS uh, you know, 10, 11 and the multitasking stuff, but we are in the beginning days of this, this platform still. And that means that there, there are people that it works for and there are people that it doesn't work for yet. And as time moves forward, the, the number of people, the types of things these devices can do will only expand. Now we can have a conversation about the rate of expansion. I think the three of us agree that Apple needs to move more aggressively here especially when the hardware is so far ahead of the software. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is just how products evolve. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing in the world technology is birthed fully formed, right? Like the iPhone, the original iPhone was a joke compared to what the iPhone, even what the iPhone 4 could do. And again, that was hardware and software. And the iPad is on that same track, again, moving probably too slowly, but it, you are, and saying that you can't do your work on an iPad, that may be totally true and legitimate in someone else's life, but by saying that no one can do it, you are you're projecting your situation onto other people. And the truth is there are people who could do their work on a Macintosh in 1985, right? And it, and it actually <laughs> started with people doing the types of things that the two of you do on your iPad every day, right? Like, yes, you weren't doing development. Yes, you weren't doing you know, crazy video production like the Verge needs for their reviews, but like sort of lower hanging fruit tasks like the iPad was really good at in the beginning and then you slowly work up that chain to to more and more complex things. And people just want to compare the Mac platform, which is, you know, 34 years old to the iPad platform that's eight. That's an unfair comparison. And 
anytime you draw that line that way, the iPad will always come up short because it hasn't had the time to mature. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that historic context is important when talking about platforms. You know, it's it's one thing to talk about, like, oh, it has a USB-C port or it's lightning. What does that mean? But we're talking about platforms. We're talking about what this thing is in the world. You have to have that context because the iPad does not exist in a vacuum. It exists in a world with... PCs and Macs and iPhones and all these other things. And as it finds its ground, you have to remember that that takes time and pouring cold water on it too early. You're just, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're going to look like Dvorak saying that the mouse was a joke. And we all know that how that turned out. <laughs> That's very good. Thank you for that. Cause like that, that historical context yeah, is refreshing yeah. and, and like consoling to me, honestly, it means, it's like soothing my soul like that, that there are other people that have been through this before me uh, in the Apple ecosystem. But I wanted to share one last thing, which I found very interesting. I, as I said, I mentioned, I shared a thought on Twitter that like I agreed with the criticism, but felt like Apple had done a disservice to the product basically by not giving uh, these devices to people that use them every day to to review them. And I and I had uh, there was lots of uh, lots of replies I got to this, and there were lots of different um, opinions. But there were a couple of things that were caught that I could I was seeing were happening an awful lot, which I just found really interesting so like as well as the usual arguments right of ipads not being for professionals um the people that like want to take the ipad hostage and be like i will not do anything until uh i i I, like i want to buy one but i refuse to buy one until apple updates ios right like this okay like i agree with that but like it's fine like we we don't all need to know but like whatever um but there was a there was a, a common argument which was being levied at me at I was people were demanding of me to tell them why this iPad Pro was a meaningful update. They wanted to know what features were new. They demanded to know what could be done on this iPad that couldn't be done on previous iPads and that I had to basically prove this is the only reason for why anyone would want to buy this device. And I found this really interesting because this is not an argument that I ever see for any other product. Like, when I talk about the iPhone, I do not have people saying to me, what can you do on this iPhone that you couldn't do on any other iPhone? Like, it is only worth it if there is something new that you can do. And I find that so interesting. And I wonder where it's coming from. I wonder why it's happening. Like, there's always requirements for people that they want to try and justify a purchase. I get that. But I never see this type of thing. Like, for example, the MacBook Air or the Mac Mini. Like, you can't do anything new on those devices. You can do some things faster. You can do some things more efficiently. But the Mac Mini doesn't do anything that the old Mac Mini couldn't also do. But we're not saying that you must justify what is new that can be accomplished via this Mac Mini for it to be a worthy purchase. And I found right. that mm. kind of fascinating. That this was like you can you can go to the tweet and you can look through the replies. Like I'm not blowing this out of proportion. This was a lot of people were asking me this question or where, a version of this, this question. Um I will put it in our show notes for you so you Perfect. can see okay. it. But it was it was kind of it was very interesting to me because I I was wondering I've never seen something like this before and I couldn't really work out where this idea was was coming from. Mm. 
Uh, I wonder if it's a combination of two things. Uh, the price increase, which we talked about last week, but also the issue of iPad hardware advancing at a different pace than software. So you get the beautiful new hardware, but the software is the old one. And maybe that creates this... Um, annoyance in in people uh, of well i'm spending more money on a thing that runs old software if that makes sense yep um, i agree with that but again like i feel like that there are like so all of the macs that have been in, that have been released are in this exact same boat they're all more expensive yeah and they all yeah. have the same version of mac os mojave that's been out for a bit you know, like Maybe. the iPhones are the same because iOS, the version of iOS is out, you know, like on. So like, what do you want me to tell you? What? Memoji? Like, that's a thing, right? Like, what do you want from me? Like <laughs> people, people get work, worked up about the the iPad. Always have. Yeah. And probably always will be. They always will. Yeah. And I think we know the reasons for that, right? Like, there are people that just think it's stupid. There are people that think that it's killing what they love. There, It's like this war of ideology. And it, and it comes out in many different ways. I've been through these waves of iPad excitement and iPad criticism since 2012. That's when I started seriously considering the iPad, and in 2013 I switched. Um, and it's probably, I think, a couple, a couple years more than, than you, Mike. Um, and I've seen it all. Um, uh, on each iPad announcement, there's the excitement of folks who really like the iPad, followed by a couple of weeks of this type of criticism, and then it quiets down, and who works on the iPad keeps working on the iPad. And every few months, the argument reappears that um, the iPad is not a computer, because somebody writes a blog posts and everybody starts to pile on. You know how it works in the Apple community, right? Somebody writes something and suddenly becomes a thing to discuss. Um, so it uh, this this will be over again in a couple of weeks, and it will. I want to see what Apple does to iOS twelve point two and twelve point three. I do believe that some features like USB drive access shouldn't wait until iOS thirteen. That's it. Totally can be an iOS a point update, it, and it should be a point update. Just make it a destination in files. That's all people want, and it's something that Apple can do at a system level. They don't need to work with developers. It can happen. Um, so I want to see what happens in terms of updates. But we've been through this before. It'll be over soon. It'll spark up again soon, also. Um, but ultimately, we just gotta have an honest conversation about what Apple needs to do on iOS. Keep an open mind that some folks like working on a Mac, some folks like working on an iPad, and we'll be fine. So that's my guiding light, if if it helps. Uh, I've seen it before. It'll happen again. But don't worry. It's going to be okay. I want to talk about something now that bridges the Mac and the iPad, and that is Luna Display, one of our final sponsor for this week's episode. If you have a Mac and you have an iPad... There is something missing in your setup, and that is Luna Display. This is something that could change the way that you interact with your devices, something that you'll be so excited to have in your life. That is Luna Display. Luna have given us maybe a little taste of the future because they give you the ability to use your iPad as a wireless display for your Mac that can also be interacted with touch. You heard me right. The iPad and the Mac that you already own working harmoniously together. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that useful? You can connect over Wi-Fi or USB. Boom. 
more screen real estate. Just plug in a little piece of hardware into your Mac and you are good to go. And that is what Lunar Display is all about. It's wonderful. This means you can have multiple screens even when you travel. You So you've got your laptop, right? But you can have your iPad with you as well. That's two screens. You don't have to lug around an extra monitor. I mean, that's like, why would you, who would want to like take a, like an extra monitor and like a backpack you know i got my laptop i'm on the train let's get the monitor out no we don't want to do that but you can use your macbook you can use your ipad together perfectly and don't just take my word from it like there lunar has been reviewed greatly everywhere TechCrunch described the visual fidelity as frankly stunning apple insider said it's the first time a wireless solution like this has impressed them i know that you're going to want to go and check these things out so go to lunardisplay.com that is l-u-n-a-d-i-s-p-l-a-y.com lunardisplay.com once you're there use the promo code connected at checkout and you'll get 10 percent off that is lunadisplay.com and the promo code connected at checkout our thanks to Luna display for their support of this show and relay fm so steven can we just like talk about carplay or something <laughs> can we yes, just I, can we just do that now i do want to talk about carplay thank you because uh, i had a lot of questions uh about this so i recently bought a pickup truck which i just want to gloss over with the two of you yeah but uh, <laughs> That's all we need to say about that. <laughs> and uh, it's a Toyota, and it had Toyota's uh, like entertainment, you know, center screen in it. They call it Intune, I believe. And to call it a dumpster fire is being generous to actual dumpsters that are on fire. It's just really bad. It has this fun thing where if you would use Siri or if you got a phone call and music was playing, sometimes it would just reboot. Like it was like, oh no, too many things are going on. Ah, and then it's like your head unit would just restart while you're driving down the road, which is very concerning. <laughs> and uh, I just wasn't happy with it. And so I did a little research, and this particular truck, it's it's uh, got a standard uh, double-din uh, head unit, which means you can basically slot in another head unit you know, with a little bit of work. Uh, so I did some homework, and I ended up with the... Uh, we'll put a link to this uh, in the show notes, but I ended up with the Sony... XAVAX100, which is just rolls. Oh, I know that one so well. Rolls right off yeah, the. That's the best one. Tongue. It's my favorite one, really. Yeah. It uh, it probably is actually. Why can't Sony name their products? Why do they yeah, have know. such a problem with naming products? You tell me. I I bought the headphones. I don't know how to name these headphones i don't know how to describe them to my friends i just say i got the latest sony usb-c headphones <laughs> because they, their name is something ridiculous like mxac something 3000 i don't know it's just a bunch of numbers and letters it's, it's ridiculous uh i will say this is not a plug it's just the site that i went to uh crutchfield like if you're interested in doing this sort of stuff you can plug in what car you have and what you want to do and they like this is the head unit. This is all the wiring you need. It was really easy. I just ordered everything from them. Um, actually, the head unit I got as an open box return at Best Buy because it was a bunch of money off, which was cool. But uh, So I went with the Sony. Uh, it is a wired CarPlay unit. So CarPlay will work, uh, will work with wired, and there are a couple of options for wireless CarPlay. If you're doing this aftermarket like I did, you're going to pay twice as much for the wireless CarPlay the reviews I read for the couple that were compatible with my vehicle, the reviews were pretty hit or miss for something you're going to spend seven or $800 on. Yeah, wired and wireless is like plugging the iPhone into a cable that goes into the car somewhere, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lightning cable. I have mine just you know right by the gear shift, and 
it is uh it's totally fine because I'm gonna plug my phone in any way to charge it. So wired CarPlay is totally fine. Uh, I didn't see the 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 need to spend twice as much and then plug in my phone anyways to charge it. So yeah, so I have to have a, a USB cable. And here's a here's a top tip: if you use a lightning cable in your car, the Apple ones for whatever reason just I've always had them really fall apart in the car. I think it's because of the heat. And so I switched to the Amazon Basics one has a, like a cloth wrapped lightning cable, and oh, I've never yeah. had one of those fail in a car. They're great because yeah, it wouldn't melt, right? Mm-hmm. They got several colors. I got a gray one, whatever. It's fine. So I got to plug the phone in and then CarPlay happens. Uh, the other thing that I got, I uh, heard a little bit about this unit is that it is, it is a resistive touchscreen. So it's not capacitive. Oh, no. <laughs> mm. no. Bad, bad screen. <laughs> Get out. Get out. One, <laughs> what was in the truck was resistive. And two, like it is by far this particular head unit that I put in. By far the most responsive resistive touchscreen I've used. Again, you can find them with better screens, but again, you're going to pay a lot more. Let me ask you. Let me ask you real quick. I want to try and put this in context, right? The most. What is the most responsive resistive touchscreen actually? I mean, like, that's a though? that's a low bar, but it's <laughs> like so. The CarPlay uh, and then like the OS that's on the unit itself. There are several places like you could scroll and. And not just tap buttons, and like it's perfectly responsive, it's fine, and like whatever it's in a car. Would you say it's better than a Nintendo DS? I, I don't know if I have enough experience <laughs> with a Nintendo DS to say. Your kids have them? No, no, they don't. They're where iPads. They, they you can't do you can't do real gaming on DS. These kids today, they don't I, understand gaming I consoles. I think you once sent us a picture of your kids playing with a 3DS. Mm-mm. Not my kids. No, we have a Wii, mm. but then no, no 3ds. Oh, you have a. Well, isn't the no. Wii resistive? No, we have the original Wii. The, oh no! Oh no! The you had the Wii. You didn't have the Wii U. No okay. one should. No one should have the Wii U. Hey, oh. <laughs> some people do. Uh, okay, <laughs> so you don't. Do. <laughs> <laughs> can't do real work on a Wii U. Uh, so like, it's oh, fine. But the, the big reason I went with this unit you can't do really anything on the Wii U. Never could. Junk. Sorry. <laughs> for Wii U. Uh, Federico and Mike have a game podcast called Remaster. You should go listen to it for more Nintendo mm-hmm. hot takes. We don't dunk mm-hmm. on the Wii U as much as we used to. We used to a yeah, well, lot. Yeah. Like a lot well, before yeah. the Switch. Kicking a man when he's down, right? <laughs> it was very bad. We we developed this bad. whole like theory about how bad Nintendo's marketing team was. It was like a whole scene. So the reason I went with this is because the Sony XAVAX100 has a physical <laughs> volume button. And nine out of ten aftermarket CarPlay head units do not come with a volume button. They have like a little slider or you have to go into a menu. And I wanted just a physical volume button. I know that seems wild, but this one had it and it had good reviews and it was in the budget. So I went with it. I like having a, a physical volume button. So do you not have like volume controls on your steering wheel? I do. And so part of this is if you do one of these aftermarket, you have to be really careful. That's why I recommend going to someplace like Crutchfield because they can walk you through. You need to do this wiring if you want your steering wheel controls to work. <laughs> and in in my Tacoma, the volume buttons on the steering wheel do work with the uh, very uh, elaborate wiring I had to do. But uh, it's just nice to be able to like, you know, just reach up and turn it down. So yeah. Um, 
But if your car doesn't have volume buttons, then this is your, your this is you're stuck with. Uh, and so I did install it myself. There are a couple Instagram pictures that I'm pretty proud of because it looks like the inside of my truck just just sort of vomited all of its innards out, but it all works. And uh, I like getting my hands dirty and uh, it's expensive to have this work done. I figured I got a couple hours on a Sunday afternoon and, you know, I'll listen to a podcast and do a bunch of wiring in my driveway. So it all, it all worked. But so a couple of those, that first photo is a little, it's a little scary looking if you're not, if you're, if you're, if you get uh, nervous around wires, don't look at that first image. <laughs> trigger warning for wires like it is very bad it's just the insides of a car uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff but um it all works it all buttoned up pretty nicely and um this is my first experience with carplay the only other time i've even ever seen it is i think last year john Voorhees picked me up in, at the airport in chicago and his car yes. has has carplay and that's the only time I've ever seen it. Like John, uh, I poked at his dashboard for a minute and then he got annoyed that I was doing it and made me stop. But um, it's it's interesting. So the Sony and, and all these aftermarket ones, they have their own, I'm going to call it an operating system where like it can do phone calls and Bluetooth and the backup camera. Uh, it has all of that sort of to itself. And CarPlay is like a mode that the unit goes into. So like you plug your phone in and a CarPlay button shows up on the screen and you tap that and then you're in CarPlay. Does that make My sense? Favorite, like, yeah, it does. My favorite, I was going to say, because I'm adding your photos to our show notes, I really find it funny that the, the finished picture is not actually in the CarPlay interface. I find that so funny. Like, why didn't you open the CarPlay interface? Yeah, I don't know. Why did you do that? I don't understand. It's like, oh, Because I have been putting interface. tiny wires together. <laughs> For like six hours. I do have... (laughs) Yeah, so we'll get to the CarPlay interface itself. But um, I really kind of... I like that image because it shows what I'm talking about. The CarPlay is just an app on this thing. Yeah, yeah, it's there. So I plug the phone in. Uh, iOS has a setting where you can change... If you can say, does my phone need to be unlocked or not? So my wife drove it the other night and her iPhone 8, like it wouldn't work and she had to unlock her phone first. Uh, so I turned that off on my 10s Max. Like I just want to plug it in to be done. There's hardly any settings for CarPlay itself. Basically, the only thing you get is what apps appear in what order. So there's there's a screenshot of this in the show notes where, you know, you know CarPlay is really interesting to me, like from a platform perspective, because Apple... Like you have to be allowed to write a CarPlay app, right? Like uh, you can't just just do it, and you have to have all these special permissions. And so for me on my phone, just you know, with what I have installed on my phone, because I own a podcast company, I have a lot of podcast clients. So I was like, you can install six different podcast apps, um, but you can control what goes on the home screen and what order it's in. And uh, so you can see how I have mine set up there with uh, the only third-party apps are Google Maps and Overcast. And um, CarPlay is like, it's weird. It is an extension of what's on the phone. So like the closest analogy I could think of, and it's not a good one, so forgive me, but if you think about you're running Keynote and like you have your slides on your you know iPad or Mac screen, and then you have what's going on in the projector, right? And the the Mac or iPad screen is controlling what's on the projector, right? I think, think that makes sense. CarPlay is kind of like that. So if I am uh, using CarPlay to listen to Overcast, so I have, you know, uh, connected in this episode up on the screen and I pull into my driveway, I, I put the truck in park, everyone's safe, and I pick up my phone to open Slack. 
Overcast will disappear from the CarPlay screen and it will go back to the springboard. It'll just go back to that, that grid of icons. But if I went into messages on my phone, the messages UI would show up on CarPlay. So they're like they're linked in a weird way. And in a way, I kind of like that because it's like a like if I pick up my phone when I shouldn't in my in my car, it's like a reminder because the app that, that I'm listening to music or the navigation goes away. And so it's it's linked in a way and it kind of feels fragile at times, but it's an interesting relationship that I just wasn't aware of because, again, I had only really used this one time for like 10 minutes. So the phone and CarPlay are like linked in a way that is uh, takes a little getting used to. But what's really nice about this is that your car suddenly becomes aware of what's happening on your phone. So you get an iMessage, you get a little banner on the CarPlay display, and if you tap it, you do not see the text. Like uh, CarPlay will not ever show you uh, what's being sent to you in iMessage, nor will it show you a keyboard to respond. It will read the message to you, and it will ask you if you want to reply, and then you can reply. It's all done by voice. So I, I had to run... A microphone, uh, so it would hear me, uh, uh, because the the built-in system, like that microphone, doesn't work with anything else. So you have to run your own mic, and I can just Siri can just read me my messages. And if a message, if I'm on the home screen, the messages icon gets a badge, so I can see how many iMessages are there waiting for me, which is a, a nice touch. And it's just, it's actually like pretty seamless to deal with iMessage. In fact, there've been a couple times talking to y'all. Where like I've just had conversations with you when I'm stuck in traffic via Siri, and like unless Siri just butchers what I say, you would probably never know. And I think that's a, a pretty nice feature, and one that I've never had in a car before because before this I just had like a Bluetooth connection to stream audio. So it's it's nice to have that stuff, but it's really done in a way that's not distracting. Like if you don't deal with that banner, it just goes away on its own, and. You know, they're just there waiting for you when you want to deal with them. It's never super invasive into your driving experience, which is good. So how do you find yourself, like, interacting with it all the time? Do you have to dictate everything to Siri? Like, And are you doing that? Or are you kind of just, like, you'll get a... Typically, would you just get a message and, and leave it? Or, like, are you finding yourself talking to siri and then when you do that is it through the car or is it through the phone like how does that work yeah i do i am finding myself talking to siri a lot more than i thought it would and again this is new i've only had this in a couple weeks so you know maybe i'm still in the honeymoon phase but if i get a, a message from somebody so like the other day uh my dad and i were going back and forth and i had to go on an errand and like we just kept the conversation going when it was uh you know convenient for me to do so and you know for, for like maps and other stuff you can you can use your voice to say hey I want to go here, but messages is by far the most interactive thing. You know, past that, I'm using Siri to to play music most of the time. Uh, even or like with Overcast, I'm just doing it on the screen. One thing that's really annoying, and I don't I don't know if this is CarPlay or if it's Overcast or if it's iOS 12 point whatever beta I'm on. But say that I've been playing Overcast just on my phone speakers in my kitchen. I walk out to my driveway and get in my truck, turn the key, plug the phone in, music will take over. Overcast will not resume automatically like it does over a Bluetooth connection, which I find infuriating because most of the time I just want to pick up the podcast I was just listening to. So then I'm going into Overcast and finding it. But um, Siri is definitely like the main interaction, for me at least, um, 
because there's there's actually kind of no other way to do it, right? Like there's no there's no way to um, you can go through the menus of music and stuff, but if you want to deal with messages, it's it's all Siri. And again, that's through the microphone that I installed. It's up like on the A pillar by the windshield, and uh, it hears me great. If I did some 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 phone calls with it, and like it sounds great. And um, so the phone, like the whole time, the phone is just you know in the console off you know like the screen's off it's not doing anything unless i pick it up it is just acting as the brains of the of the whole operation i mean are you surprised about any of this or is it kind of working as you would expect it to work or like require it to work like are you finding yourself being like oh that's really nice or is it kind of just like yep does what i does what it should uh, yeah, I think it does what it should. I think it, I think it's it seems really solid. Uh, it it does some clever things, where like it like in music, you know, on, on iOS, you would like you get the scrubber down the right hand side to like skip down to S for you know a band that starts with S or you know or like whatever letter you want without just like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So that doesn't necessarily translate well to these t- these type of touchscreens. And so on. CarPlay, if you do that, it pulls up a grid and you just tap the letter you want. So, like, they've adapted the UI in places uh, where it makes sense. In fact, there's, like, a virtual home button on the screen to go back to the home screen, which is sort of funny because no new devices have home buttons. So, like, it's like this, like, visual, like, virtual representation of a thing that that isn't really a thing anymore. But I would say it's it's pretty solid. You know, it's weird that if you... Go to the home screen on your phone. CarPlay goes to its home screen. I wish there was some division of labor there, but other than that, I've been really happy with it, and I think it's uh, it's definitely like the it, way safer if I want to deal with messaging when I'm driving than obviously than picking up the phone, which is like a terrible, dangerous thing that you shouldn't do, but we're most of us are guilty of it, uh, and this has definitely basically cut that out. Like I, I don't like even at stoplights, I have not like picked up my phone again i know i shouldn't please don't badger me about that but i know that um people just do that and there is also an argument that you shouldn't even be dictating messages right like that is probably because it's like attention and stuff i don't know yeah i don't know what i think about that i'm sure there's a lot of interesting studies but like but yeah so i really got a point to that <laughs> and i can use google maps everywhere which is great <laughs> i'm i'm jealous i really want to have carplay in my car and just listening to you it made me more jealous so well you know what you have to there's do nothing i can do go to crutchville nope. or whatever that is and, uh... <laughs> nope nope i'm not gonna have car vomit in my car oh so. man I, I tell you what uh when your mac mini gets in not doing it mm-hmm. bring me out and i'll set up your desk feel nice and neat and I'll do your car. We'll just have like a, a a day of wires together. You're like uh you're like the wire man. Mm-hmm. Should be your new title. Steven Ackett is the wire man. You know how they do like yeah, movie posters? He gets pretty bad <laughs> in season four. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what happens in season four? I start to like cable manage uh, appliances or like things yeah. that shouldn't be cable managed. Yeah, it all goes wrong. All, all of your characters get get like just messed up at that point. I will say, point. connected audience, I will be one hundred percent disappointed if by next week's episode there's not a poster of this. <laughs> the cable, saying, the wire man, I'm saying the wire man seems like a, a movie poster that someone someone should make. So slide into my DMs mm-hmm. anytime. <sighs> Is that it? Uh, yeah, we're well, done. Yeah, I think so. Are we done? A bunch of stuff this week. It was fun. Uh, we talked about Max from 1995 
and we talked about CarPlay, and then I sort of blacked out in the middle. So it's a good show. If you want to find links to the stuff we talked about, head over to relay.fm slash connected slash 217. While you're there, you can get in touch with us via email, or you can do it. Uh, you can find us on where do we want to be found this week? Can we found on Instagram again? Yeah, I, I published, yes. I put a link to this in the show notes. I was putting loads of stuff on my Instagram stories about me unboxing my two iPads and I saved a story highlight of it so you can go and watch it. There's, okay. I don't know. It's fun, I think. I also want to be discovered on Instagram mm-hmm. with my real username, not John Borges. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> BTG on Instagram I too. I that you did that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's still V-I-T-I-C-C-I there as well. I'm, I, I, I am not John Borges. He's mm-hmm. a different person. And so. so you can find Mike on Instagram as I M Y K E, and you can find me there as Stephen M Hackett for reasons. Do not look up. <laughs> no, it's better. It's better now. Oh, it's, it's better fine. now. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah better I don't know. Now. They blocked me, so I don't. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, find us on Instagram, and uh, you can find the show notes. And I like to thank our sponsors: Squarespace, Simple Contacts, and Luna Display for making this week's show possible. And uh, I'm going to be uh, out next week, but the two of you will be back. So until then, say goodbye, gentlemen. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.